were singing about the worthy is the lamb who was slain and then now this is a psalm or song about the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The, the series that we're looking at at the moment together as a church um, is concentrating on these, uh, these five gifts that we see mentioned in uh, the New Testament letter called Ephesians. And um, we've been looking over the last few weeks at these sort of five, you know, catalytic gifts that um, when added together uh, and when, when it all sort of minister in and to the church, um, cause this, this sort of uh, great upbuilding. It says the building up of the body of Christ. Um, and so this, the, this sort of sermon series is called Equipping the Saints. So when these five gifts are sort of working together in some form or other, uh, the, the, the church is built up, it's matured, it's powerful, it's influential, and it makes much of Jesus. And that's what we want. And we want to be a church that makes much of Jesus and sees him transform our, our, our communities and our city. And, um, and so, therefore, let's listen with ears wide open to um, this, this teaching. And we're going to, as I say, we've been examining uh, these gifts together. Um, a few weeks ago, we looked at the, the, uh, the role or gift of apostle and what is that and try to define that and, and give some vision for that. Uh, and then prophet, laying out a biblical case for, for what prophecy is and what a prophet can do. And then last week, it was the role of evangelist, the one who sort of shares uh, uh, the good news of Jesus with great power and effect. Uh, bringing those who don't know him to relationship, saving relationship with Jesus. And so this week, um, the, the sort of the fourth one then is the, the role or uh, um, the gift, I suppose, of shepherd. Um, do we have that up behind us, by the way, Ephesians 4? There it is. He gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ. Um, sometimes um, we, we, you know, we don't really hear too much about apostles and prophets and maybe less so about evangelists. But when, when we get to the shepherds and teachers bit, we're probably in a bit more of our comfort zone. It's a bit more familiar to us. Why is that? Um, well, because the shepherd is otherwise known as, as the role of, of pastor, and, and, and uh, whether you're from a church background or not, you're probably familiar in some ways with that term. The pastor is often the, the lead person who sort of, uh, you know, pulls all the strings. Um, I would put it to you that that's not the biblical uh, model, and it's certainly not something I advocate for, but that's often um, what, what, what we understand. Uh, before we look uh, at um, uh, the, the things in a bit more detail, um, I'm, I'm going to say we'll be looking at three questions. Uh, firstly, what is a shepherd? So let's get some definition around that term. Secondly, why do we need shepherds in the church? And then thirdly and finally, how do we shepherd here at Foundation Church? All right, so what is a shepherd? Why do we need them? And how do we use them? 
Uh, before we dig into what is a shepherd, um, it's important to note, uh, yeah, those verses are up there behind me still. Um, it says the shepherds and teachers. Okay, so we've got the prophets, the, you know, uh, sorry, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and then the shepherds and teachers. And so some people, um, you know, divided on, on, on one side or the other, think that the, the role of shepherd and teacher is one role, one office, you know, one, one gift, so to speak. Other people see the, the two as separate. Um, uh, and and the, the reason for that is that the word the, 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 is not there. So the apostles, you know, and, and uh, it's not the shepherds and the teachers. It's just the shepherds and teachers. Um, however, uh, it's clear that Paul uses two words, uh, whether he's defining the same thing from different angles or whether he's defining two different gifts. I think functionally it doesn't really matter all that much. And so for the sake of discussion and clarity today, we're going to sort of focus on the shepherding bit. And then next week uh, in the final section, we'll f- focus on, the, um, on the, the teaching bit. So what is a shepherd? Um, well, you don't need to be a Bible scholar or a genius to figure out that a shepherd is someone who looks after sheep. That's what they do. And um, particularly when you're reading through the Bible, um, you'll realize that a shepherd is a quite a prominent theme in the Old Testament, you know, the Hebrew Bible. Um, Israel, the sort of Old Testament people of God, were c- quite frequently referred to as the flock of God. Okay, so they were like sheep. God was like the shepherd, his people. God shepherds his people, the sheep, Israel. And and yet also among that, God sort of sets under shepherds over the people of Israel. They were were known as the priests. And they were the spiritual shepherds uh, called and equipped, I suppose, to guide and to guard the flock of God, which is the people of Israel. And that comes out so clearly, doesn't it, in the psalm that Rachel read for us Um, probably the most famous psalm in the Bible, the Lord is my shepherd. It just uses this theme of God being a shepherd. But it goes a little further than that, doesn't it? Because David, the young King David, who wrote this this psalm, um, said the Lord, Yahweh, you know, this is his sort of direct and personal name, Yahweh is my shepherd. There's this sort of personal relationship, I suppose, this, this connection between God, the shepherd, and David, one of the sheep. And so when we look at Psalm 23, we can start to get a bit of an idea of the biblical vision for what a shepherd looks like. Okay, so we can see, for example, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It seems to be that a shepherd, God the shepherd, um, looks after the needs of his sheep. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The sheep experience peace and tranquility. Because of God, the shepherd, he leads me by still waters. They're not left to figure it out on their own. The shepherd leads clearly to the place that's going to restore and give them life. He restores my soul. He leads me along paths of righteousness. It seems to be that the shepherd shows the sheep how to live. These are the paths you must take in order to know me and enjoy me. Even in the the darkest points of life, it says here, you are with me through the valley of the shadow of death. A shepherd sticks with the sheep through thick and thin, come what may. Your rod and your staff, it says they comfort me. These are the tools of the trade. These are tools of discipline. If required, the tools of correction, they are used to defend the sheep, to fight off the wolves and the attackers that might come 
against them and destroy them. And these two things, these, these tools, comfort the sheep. They know that's what they're there for, for our good. Now, obviously, when we read through Psalm 23, we're looking at God, Yahweh, and there are things that only he can do. But as we've been thinking, he, he sets shepherds among his people to, uh, to minister in his name, you know, with his sort of authority, um, I suppose, um, sets them among the sheep to look after them in his, in his name um, and pressing out these benefits that we're seeing here to the lives of the flock. That's how it should feel when you are shepherded by God's shepherds. If you read Psalm 23, that's how it should feel. However, it's not always the case. Um, that is the gold standard, I suppose, um, but it's not always the case. For example, in another Old Testament section, Ezekiel 34, one of the great Old Testament prophets, um, he takes Israel to task, or God does through the prophet, and he addresses the damage done to the flock because of bad shepherds. They've been neglectful. They've been self-serving. And so he takes them to task for failing miserably at the job that God gave them to look after the sheep. But when we read sorry, Ezekiel 34, it's not going to be up on the screen, but we get a bit of an insight about what shepherds should have been doing. And God was saying, well, you're not doing this. But we get an insight into what they should have been doing. So God says, you should have been strengthening the weak. You should have been healing the sick. You shepherds should have been binding up those who are injured. You should have been chasing after those who are lost. You should have been beating away the enemies. That's what you should have been doing as a shepherd. Another great Old Testament prophet said, you should also be feeding the sheep with knowledge and understanding of God. All these things give us a, an increasing understanding about what a shepherd is and should be. Somebody who nurtures and nourishes, who strengthens and protects. And when we continue from the Old Testament into the New, we realize this theme is carried through into the New Testament. There are shepherds also over the church and among the people of God in the church. And they're called, among other things, elders. Shepherds, pastors, they're all sort of uh, speaking of the same role. For example, in Acts 20, verse 28, it says this, Paul, the apostle, is addressing the elders from a church in Ephesus. And he says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. There are shepherds, of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Shepherds are the elders. They are to care and pay attention to the flock. Likewise, uh, the Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Elders are to be shepherds. It's a shepherding role. You know, apostles chart the course. They lay the foundations, you know, Prophets are the ones who, who share the heart and mind of God in sort of immediate and direct and penetrating ways. The evangelists are the ones who go out and win the lost, those who do not know Jesus, and bring them into the fold, into the, into the flock. But it's the shepherds who tend and care for that flock, that ever-increasing flock. 
the body of Christ. Flipping back to Ephesians 4, that's why it says that these gifts together build up the body of Christ. We'll be seeing next week how teaching, teachers, add further power and growth to the church. Um, however, before we move on, what, you know, what is a shepherd? We've been thinking about that. Uh, but it's not only elders who do the shepherding. What we'll see later on is that this is something that we do together. We have a role as the community on mission to shepherd one another. And that's really the purpose behind those, those two books that I've recommended earlier on. There are other roles and ministries that are highly sort of shepherding or highly pastoral that you may hear about in the church or, or, or further afield. But my contention is they're all sort of shepherding gifts, shepherding roles. We just call them different things. So, for example, uh, counseling. You know, being a counselor, particularly within the church, biblical counseling, tending, caring, pressing God's word into the unique situation of the person you're ministering to. That's a shepherding role. Prayer ministry. That's a shepherding role. Praying specifically for someone uh, with issues or, or needs or, or hopes or whatever they particularly have. Again, it's just bringing that, that uh, loving, tender, kind um, prayer to God about that person. Mentoring. Mentoring one another. Again, it's a shepherding role. You know, helping others to fo- find and follow Jesus. To go further and, uh, you know, uh, deeper into him. Pastoral care. It's an obvious one. That's a shepherding role. Even youth ministry or kids ministry. Many people go into that um, because they have a shepherding gift or a shepherding drive that God has put within them to, to, to raise up and to bless and to strengthen the younger generations of the church. All of these things, I think, are part of the overall package of a shepherding gift. Maybe we just use different language to describe it, but that's kind of what I'm getting at today. So what is a shepherd? Someone who looks after the sheep, the flock of God. So secondly then, why do we need shepherds? Why do you need a shepherd? Why do I need one? Perhaps um, you're starting to understand already why you think this is a good idea. But sh- sometimes we think to ourselves, well, surely the case is that, that someone comes to faith in Jesus, and when they've done that, they get busy and get educated. You know, they, they get busy serving him in the church, which is great, and they get educated learning all the content. And these things are good, and they're right, but they're, they're not enough. We've seen the, the, the crucial role uh, that shepherds play in watching out for the flock, in caring for them, in nourishing them, in, in feeding them. That's why we need shepherds. Because we can't do it on our own, in isolation to everybody else. And yet there's an even more deeper reason, a fundamental reason that drives why we all need shepherds over us in the Lord. Um, the Apostle Peter writes about this in 1 Peter 2. Peter, interestingly, has quite a lot to, to say on this uh, theme of shepherds and sheep. If you read his, his letters, particularly for his first letter in the New Testament, he, has quite, he draws on this theme quite frequently. He says here in, in, in 1 Peter 2, starting at verse 24, he himself, that is Jesus, he himself uh, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness By his wounds you have been healed. Listen to this. For you, church, were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd 
and overseer of your souls. Why do we need shepherds? Well, Peter explains here that we are like wandering sheep, going astray on our own. Without his help, we have no direction. We've no idea where to go. We've no hope of getting ourselves unstuck. We are totally vulnerable to attack. We do all the wrong things that we think will help but ultimately cause us harm. In short, when we're left to our own devices, we have no hope and we have no chance. We need a shepherd. We need a guardian, someone who's going to dig us out of the ditch, someone who's going to bind us up when we're messed up, someone who's going to tend to our wounds, someone who's going to heal our hurts. Someone who's going to restore us when we've wandered away and bring us back to the flock and remind us that we are his treasured possession. Jesus also seizes on this Old Testament theme of of, of sheep and shepherd and his teaching. We see this in John 10, starting at verse 11. Jesus says boldly and scandalously, in the context of who he was talking to, he says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd, says Jesus. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He goes on to say, anyone who's a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay my life down for my sheep. He's the good shepherd. He he is the only one who truly cares, completely, eternally. He desperately loves his sheep. He will do anything for his sheep. He's not like the hired hands. They don't give us stuff. First sign of danger and they're away. They will leave you. Looking after themselves. They don't care about you. But Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And I lay my life down for my sheep. I'll do whatever it takes. And Jesus, he does that, doesn't he? He does that in the gospel. He he takes on the enemy. He puts himself in harm's way to defend his people. To death, if required. And indeed, it was required. Because he did this on the cross, didn't he? He stood against the enemy. He stood up and protected the sheep. That's what he did. He's the good shepherd. Not only against their enemy, death and the devil, but he stood against their own sinfulness, our own sinfulness, our tendency to wander like sheep. It's inbuilt to each of us. We were born with it. And in the cross, when he laid down his life, Jesus dealt with that too. It's amazing. The price was paid for our wandering and our rebelliousness, and our stubbornness, and our pulling away, and our thinking that we can do better on our own. Thank you very much. He paid the price for all that. 
And as Peter reminds us, that punishment for our sin was in his body. The good shepherd forgives and he frees. He heals and he restores. He protects and he guides. He nourishes and he strengthens. That's what he's doing today. That's what he's doing among us right now. As we worship him, as we open our hearts to hear his word, that's what's going on. He gives us his spirit to the flock. Our shepherd ministering in the church. He's the good shepherd. Maybe uh, you can recall a time in life when you have been well shepherded. Uh, Maybe you've been in a time of, of, of need or a time of crisis in your life. Desperation. And you've been well shepherded. Perhaps you've been unaware of your need and someone has shepherded you well before you even realized you knew it. Someone with a, with a shepherding gift or a shepherding call from God has come alongside you somehow or other in some context and you have received their help, you've received their care, you have received even their correction. You've experienced strengthening as a result. You've experienced healing either starting or or continuing through being well-shepherded. Perhaps you've even experienced release or breakthrough because someone has shepherded you well. That's Jesus, the good shepherd, working through his people in your life. That's what that is. And so maybe you've received prayer ministry of some form or or counselling, either formal or informal. Someone's come alongside you, just walk and talk. Go on for coffee, that type of thing. And you've known the power or the benefits of someone with a shepherding gift, someone who's after the heart of God, as Jeremiah puts it. That's what Jesus wants for all of us. If you have not experienced that, he wants that for you. Our vision here at Foundation Church Uh, is for uh, the gospel transformation of our city and nation. It's a grand vision. I'll give you that. But it's something the Lord has laid on us. Gospel transformation of our city and nation. Therefore, we need shepherds. Because all of us, whether we're inside the church or outside the church, have wandered away from God. There are so many people who are lost, who are desperate, and hurt, and broken, and and messed up. They've done stupid stuff. They've sinned against God. They've been sinned against by other people. We need shepherds who can tend, who can care, who can nourish, who can bind up, who can lead to restoration in Jesus' name. Belfast, unfortunately, has one terrible mark against it. Currently speaking, Uh, is the highest rate of suicide among young men up to the age of 40 compared to the rest of the United Kingdom, the highest rate in our city. We need shepherds. 
when we take steps to seeing that vision of gospel transformation of our city come to pass, we will see, by God's grace, the suicide rates fall and disappear altogether by his grace. Because as a church, we are shepherding well. We are providing somehow nourishment, care, restoration. And that's just one example. Gospel, gospel transformation is really just Jesus the good shepherd making an impact in people's lives. That's what it is. He goes for the lost and lowly. And so too must we. When people come to faith, yes, they need help to deal with the past. They need to be steered strongly into the future. They need shepherds. That's what they do. So we've thought about what are shepherds. We've started to realize the need, why we should have them, why we need them. So let's finish then. Let's, let's come on to our third point and ask, well, how do we shepherd here at Foundation? How do we, how do, we do this? Um, let me give you four sort of realms of, of shepherding, so to speak. <clears throat> I've hinted at a few of them already. Uh, the first way we do shepherding here at Foundation Church is through elders. Elders are shepherds. Uh, that's clear in the New Testament. It's one of their clear roles to shepherd the flock of God. We've seen that from some of these Bible texts already. Elders shepherd the flock of God. Um, they shepherd as a team. They're the guardians and guides to the flock. How do they do that? Well, they shepherd by, in two ways. They shepherd by example and they shepherd by instruction. And when, when you read some of the key you know, texts in the New Testament about elders and shepherd, what, what they should be doing, it says that they are to be above reproach which means they are to be sort of outstanding examples to the rest of the flock. You know, Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, being examples to the flock. That's how, if you're an elder, that's how you shepherd, by a great example. It doesn't mean perfection, but it does mean that you stand head and shoulders by God's grace and you show others how to live for him. By example, but also by instruction. Titus in the New Testament writes, uh, an elder must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, the word of God, so that he might be able to give instruction and in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Can you see that? It's that positive building up and it's also that defensive pushing away of, of wrong ideas and, and wrong values. So elders teach by, sorry, elders shepherd by example and by instruction um, at the very minimum. And so how does that work out for us at Foundation? Well, um, we're going through a period, a training program of training and discernment a process known as E+, Eldership+. And uh, there's myself and a group of others. And uh, together we're learning and we're, we're starting to experience as a team what eldership looks like. And as I say, it's a period of training and discernment so that out of that crop, uh, by God's grace, uh, there'll be some, at least, who are identified as called and equipped and to be affirmed as shepherds and elders among us. Hopefully, by God's grace, that will happen um, in the new year. Um, but that's, that's where we're heading. So please do pray for us, actually, church. Please do pray for us. And hopefully you're seeing in this talk how important the role of shepherding is. And uh, it begins very much with, with, with establishing godly elders. So do pray with us through that process. More information to follow um, as we go through. 
So first of all, we shepherd uh, with elders. The second way we shepherd then is, is by those who have shepherding gifts. Okay, so all elders are to be shepherds, but not all shepherds are to be elders. Hopefully, uh, you, you follow what I'm saying. Um, because there, you know there are plenty of people who are gifted with shepherding gifts. They they are under the same sort of injunction, I suppose, as elders. The teachings about shepherding, you know, um, very much fall on those with shepherding gifts, uh, whether they are elders or not. Um, and so many of those same sort of uh, biblical you know, requirements fall upon them too. So, for example, all shepherds or shepherding individuals are all to be outstanding examples to the flock of God. That's how they do their shepherding. They have to, to, to excel in invisible character. It's to be clear to all that these are people worthy of being followed and being led. Uh, the reason for that, and maybe you've experienced this side of things, unfortunately, is that great damage can be done by those in those roles who are neglecting the biblical teachings, you know, the injunctions, the character that is necessary. Great damage can be done. In fact, sort of dialing back to Ezekiel 34 that I referenced earlier on, um, you know, there's many modern day examples of that. Basically, individuals who through shepherding type roles are using the sheep to somehow feed themselves. It's just so messed up. But there's plenty of modern-day examples. Individuals who will build for themselves a standing or an influence on the back of the sheep, as opposed to serving the sheep. Gathering a following with the sheep. Just seems to be a ministry or an area that is susceptible. Attracting people who have ulterior motives. Seems to be the shepherding is is, is one of those areas that, that can be susceptible. However, uh, with wisdom and with the help of God's spirit and, and, and with great care, we as a church are you know, identifying and calling out those who have shepherding gifts. And, and so, so in general terms, there's going to be opportunities for, for, for prayer ministry, more specific prayer ministry. There'll be training for those who um, have, a, have a burden for counseling. You know, biblical counseling, presenting the, the, the truth of God's word to the specific individual needs, mentoring. All these things are, are ways that those gifted in shepherding um, can be identified and equipped to serve and strengthen at Foundation Church. Elders, of course, are charged to lead and oversee that, but their role is to equip and raise up others who can serve alongside so we've seen uh, the first way that run that works out is through elders. The second uh, way that we do shepherding here is through those with specific giftings. The third way, and this is, I think, if you've dialed out, please come back to me um, at this stage. The third way that we do shepherding here at Foundation Church um, is through the community. It's a community project. Um, please do not take away from this morning that Shepherding is for the professionals. You know, it's for the people who are paid to do it or, or the gifted people. Yes, there is a need for specialized shepherding and shepherding ministry, of course, but the Bible is clear. This is something that we do together. This defines and shapes us as a community. We all, therefore, have a role in shepherding one another. 
Where does this come from? Well, Jesus uh, really gets the ball rolling in, in John 13, verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you, followers of me, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So we can understand our role and our calling to shepherd one another as this term, love one another. And then as we progress into the rest of the New Testament, all across the New Testament writings to the church, we see these various callings to shepherd and care and love one another. In fact, if you ever go onto you know, the Bible Gateway or some sort of app or whatever, and you search for the term one another, you, know, you have to put it in quote marks so it doesn't just bring up every circumstance of one another, but one another, you'll be astounded in the New Testament how many teachings there are to the church about how we should love one another. So for example, they're not on the screen, I'm just going to rattle through a few. Galatians 6 verse 2, bear one another's burdens. 1 Corinthians 12, care for one another. Ephesians 4 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, encourage one another and build one another up. Don't forget, this is all to the church, right? Hebrews 3, exhort one another. James 5, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Galatians 5, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another. These are all shepherding words, even if the word shepherd is not used. And if we take this call seriously as a church, I just think the spiritual health in here will go through the roof. Be awesome. It's happening already. Don't get me wrong, it's happening already. I just think we, if we're more intentional about this, goodness me, that will accelerate our growth in grace as a church. It will deepen and quicken, I believe, the restoration that Jesus is already starting in many of your lives. The healing that you're experiencing. Yes, we need elders to shepherd well by example, but this is a community project. Just imagine for a second as well. We're just talking about shepherding here, but imagine if we mix shepherding with other gifts that Jesus gives us, that either you have yourself, you're like jewel gifted, or others in the, in the community have, and you can, you can sort of go together or whatever. Just imagine, it could be amazing. Imagine if you had a shepherd and a prophet, or a shepherd prophet person, who is able to you know, get alongside and nurture and, 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 and help and minister, and yet with spirit-empowered insights, words of knowledge or discernment, revelatory gifts, whatever they might be, speaking directly and transformatively into that individual's life as they shepherd them. Wouldn't that be awesome? Or imagine another sort of gift mix, shepherding healing. The shepherd is the one who cares and, 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 and binds up the wounds. But what if they are also gifted or you know, are in the mix with others who are gifted to pray effectively for physical healing for the one who is actually hurting? Or psychological healing or some such gifting? The list can go on, but just imagine what happens when these things marry up as the Spirit pours out gifts among us. It's a community project. The fourth way, just a quick way, um, <clears throat> this works out. We shepherd by translocal impact. Translocal impact. That means impacting and ministering to, strengthening other churches outside of our own. 
you know, we talk about being a, uh, having a vision for gospel transformation of our city and nation. That's not just going to come from Foundation Church Belfast. We'll do our bit, but we want to stimulate and encourage other churches as well who are already ministering somehow or other. We want to strengthen them. So, for example, we can send gifted um, and experienced shepherds who can go to other churches, for example, and train others how to do it and how to strengthen their own shepherding gifts so that they can care for their communities. Another, another, another example is that we can shepherd the shepherds and we can care for other leaders and other shepherds. Shepherds need shepherds as well. I do. Shepherds can also go out as part of a church planting team to make sure the team remains healthy and full of vitality and full of serving opportunities for the host community. Shepherding outside of Foundation Church is, 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 is what we do as we plant and strengthen other churches. I wonder how this uh, talk has, has resonated with you this morning, either positively warming your heart and, uh, and making you feel like, yes, Lord, this is something for me. This is something I want to uh, experience or, or, or act in more. Maybe it has reminded you of, of, of uh, times in the past when you have been badly shepherded or been neglected or you know, you've know you just realized there's a big gap in your own life, in your own Christian life. Let me encourage you this morning that Jesus is still the good shepherd. He is still with his sheep. And it is our calling as a church, by his grace, through his spirit, to shepherd the flock of God.